Welcome to the Diversity Sauce Podcast from KidMath, the Kids Inclusive and Diverse Media Action Project. We're your hosts, Kabir Seth and Amy Kraft. Diversity Sauce, don't dribble a little on at the end. Bake it into your children's digital media from the beginning. All right, Amy, it's great to be back. How are you doing on this lovely Saturday? I'm good. It's nice and sunny out, finally. I know. I uh, I made it to the playground this morning with the kids. The weather was beautiful, as it was yesterday as well. So. And I did farmer's good. market, got some ramps. I was there oh, early wow. enough for ramps. <laughs> nice. Farmer's market. I'll work that into the schedule somehow, for sure. Definitely. So we have a couple things that we wanted to talk about um, this week. The first was this article on PRI. Um, called Becky, Barbie's friend who uses a wheelchair, was discontinued. And this was by Julia Franz. Um, and this was really interesting. Um, I am not up to sort of the, the Barbie-Becky stage yet with um, with my little ones. So I'm, I'm not that up to speed on, on all the, the Barbie dolls. But they said that the article talks about Barbie's friend Becky who was in, I guess was came out in 1997, was introduced. Mm-hmm. And there were $6,000 sold in the first two weeks and got a lot of praise from disability advocates. And it turned out that the only problem was that her wheelchair did not fit in the Barbie dream house. So, Especially that it didn't fit in the elevator. It didn't fit through the door and it didn't fit through the elevator. So. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I loved how the article called the the dream house like the social center of Barbie's world. So it was like very clear that this was a uh, a huge issue. So. I mean, I was in the Barbie universe probably like another 20 years before that. <laughs> um, but I remember like the dream house and the elevator. The elevator was like such uh, like this is amazing that right. this is, isn't a toy. Like it's so good. Yeah. So, yeah, to have like, um, you know, Becky in a wheelchair but not be able to get onto the elevator is like, yeah, yeah should have thought that through. <laughs> not great. And so – they go through sort of the the history of Be- Becky and uh, and what she became. I guess they had different iterations of Share a Smile, Becky, Becky, I'm the school photographer, Sign Language, I Love You, Becky, and then Paralympic Becky. And was your understanding that all of these she was she was in a wheelchair, right? With each each. Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, it could be like you know how Barbie has different iterations too. Yeah, but for yeah, sure. so. Yeah, it was different uh, ways of being Becky. (laughs) Right, it's different (laughs) ways of being Becky, and um, but apparently they just never fixed the wheelchair. It's still to this day. I mean, like now, it still won't fit in in the house. That was the interesting thing of the article. It's like cut to twenty years later. Let's see, does the wheelchair fit in the dream house? Like we have new iterations of Becky in a wheelchair. We have new iterations in the dream house. Does she fit? No. Um, you know, I guess like there's one area of the kitchen where can she can fit, but if it was a really like ADA compliant kitchen, like she'd be able to like have room under the counter. Yeah. Yeah. I saw that part. Yeah. They said, yeah. 
the dishwasher. It's interesting, anymore. like the there aren't the lessons learned, you know, over the years. You can right. also imagine there's so much turnover that every time someone's like, "This will be great to do," like we can represent like more diverse people with our Barbie line, um, yeah. but it still brings to it like sort of all the same ableist point of view of the world, like the same biases that if there was no like you know brain trust that's carried over over those 20 years to say hey when we tried that last time here's the misstep that we made yeah exactly it just brings all the same like biases and point of view when you're creating the next round of toys that makes all the same mistakes right right yeah i I think that that was sort of the the eye-opening piece was that like even 20 years later it's sort of the um, the wisdom hadn't been learned and the quote at the end there about how a lot of a lot of the ways we think about disabilities we talk about fixing disabilities instead of focusing on fixing society um, I thought was was a good quote and sort of um, you know echoes exactly what you just said about how um, like we're we're sort of like this this will excite people but let's not like sort of look at how it fits into the larger universe or sort of like talk to people who actually are in a wheelchair and sort of like, you know, how should, how would we change the world and, and, or change Barbie's house. And then they're like, it was too complicated to redesign. (laughs) So they just got rid of Becky. So yeah. Yeah. And that's, I think a big theme on our show today is like fixing society instead of fixing disability. And we were coming at that from a few different angles. Oh, yeah. we should mention in a bit, we have an interview with Lisa Radcliffe of a toy company called Pumpkin Futs, which has like an amazing line of toys and products for all different kinds of kids. So we're excited to talk to her in a bit. That's right. Yeah. And so, so that was a, a great article. We'll um, we'll post it on our newsletter as well as our show notes. And um, the other sort of area that we wanted to cover, and and sort of I'm sure um, listeners have have seen this in more than one piece of media, is the new um, Muppet Julia, who is um, a character who has autism, and it's their first Muppet that um that has autism and i think the there was a couple articles that we um that we came across actually more than a couple we sort of had to to narrow them down the first one was in vox by um by sarah kerchick and it's called i have autism watching television help me more than therapy and this was really interesting it was actually as i was reading the article reminded me of um the uh, the movie terminal um, with Tom Hanks, where he learns English from watching Friends. Um, oh, and, right, right. And she actually uh, mentions how she watched Friends to like sort of learn group dynamics. But um, do you want to sort of like summarize how you like wh- what you got out of the article, and I could sort of um, talk about because I I I I thought there were some certain things that I really liked about it. But what did you what did you love about it? Well, it's interesting because I feel like with a lot of what I've read about Julia is people, and we could also mention the other one that we're going to talk about is Melissa Morganlander writing for Tokoboka has one, we need to see autism in all different shapes, colors, genders, and pattern behaviors. Um, um, Yeah, so she's talking about Julia as well. And I think with all of them, 
It's been interesting to see, and this is true of like a lot of other articles I've read about Julia, is people have been so desperate to see autistic characters on television that -hmm. they start ascribing a diagnosis to characters that the writers didn't specifically say. So like um, on Big Bang Theory, Sheldon, Um, people say like Tina and Bob's Burgers might be on the spectrum, you know, like things where people identify with um, all these different characters who are sort of outside of the you know, neurotypical depictions of characters. So you can say that character has like some of my like, you know, social struggles so I can relate to that character, but to have characters specifically named as autistic has been very important to people to say, you know, like, um, I think Melissa pointed out it's like one in 68 people Mm -hmm. are diagnosed with autism spectrum disorder. So pointing out that like someone you know has a diagnosis, right? You can point to someone you know. So why isn't there more representation of autistic characters on mm-hmm. television and it's particularly in kids media? So to have not just autistic kids being able to see themselves, but um, neurotypical kids able to see like, oh, and now I understand, like, I, yeah. I can see interactions of, like, kids and characters I know with an autistic character, and that helps inform me of how to handle similar situations. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I mean, like, when I was reading it, it just echoes, like, everything that we talk about with diversity, right? Like, the reason that you need to see diversity in kids' media is not just for the people who are being represented in but for the people who, you know, like if it's for, like you said, the kids who are not autistic to sort of see this and know they know someone who's autistic. They know then how to interact and sort of they see um, they see that in the media that they consume. And like I thought it was just it, it's exactly everything we talk about. Like we talk about a variety of different diversity lenses, right, with race and gender and disabilities. But but it's the same sort of wisdom and stories that echo through that like this is what this is the reason that kids need to see it and it's not just for the female to see that she can be the hero it's for the male to understand that the female can be the hero and so like it was I just thought that was so great and um it 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 just reinforced that's what I loved so much about the article and then um they were talking one thing I found really interesting there was this paragraph about how this autism therapist was saying that a lot of her patients, um, a lot of her young female clients were big science fiction fans because social conventions tend to be better spelled out on shows where outsiders or actual alien species are involved. So Mm -hmm. that's how they sort of like understood, okay, what was happening here? This is how like sort of how group dynamics or anything social conventions were, were set up. I thought that was, um, that was really interesting. And the author sort of goes through all the shows that, or many of the shows that that uh, she watched as a teenager and then sort of um, as she got older to, to understand things. And so I think that's why, you know, she said that's why she's excited about Julia. I think a lot of people are excited about Julia just for that she's a girl um, and that they're like, while there are already so few representations of autism in popular culture, they're very boy and male focused, right. um, you know, but to say like girls are autistic as well, yeah. um, you know, and I think it was interesting like that the dominant um 
character representative of autism was Rain Man for like the longest time. Yeah, and it's just true. like, oh, autism is Rain Man. And yeah. then, to, and Melissa Morganlander talks about this a little bit in hers, like when they got a diagnosis for their son, it was like that was their only point of reference or mm-hmm. the boy from St. Elsewhere, you know, if you're of <laughs> my generation. <laughs> um, you know, there, there really were just a couple. And as we talk about it being a spectrum, I mean, it is truly a spectrum. Right. So right. the more characters you have, the more, and this is true, as you're saying, with everything we talk about, as we talk about diversity and inclusion in media, the more people you show on that spectrum, the more you can say it's like, oh, Autism isn't just this one thing. It's not just Dustin Hoffman and Rain Man. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just like it, it can be like a lot of different things. Yeah, exactly. It, it um, I think that it sort of goes through like um, and obviously there's been there's been criticism of, of Julia that we can we can talk about. But like you're saying, it's sort of like this step in the right direction. And now others have to follow and we have to sort of open it up to show this spectrum and sort of tell that story like this just can't be it and it sort of reminds me of like these um sometimes when we have discussions about how there was a new black director or there was a female director and you know um there's so few of them and so then it's like there's this um pressure of like you have to make something unbelievable because um, if you don't like, it, it's just going to go like, it's, it's going to be gone. And uh, like, that's it. They're never going to take another chance on the black superhero or something like that. Yeah. This so, is like, like a one shot. Yeah, you have to right. do it. Blockbuster yeah. out of the gate. Right. Right. Exactly. And it's not fair. Like, I mean, I, I applaud Sesame for, for, for doing this and now it's up to everyone else to, to follow and to, I mean, it's one in 68 people, like everyone knows somebody who is on the spectrum and like it's this story needs to be told. So um, I'm, I'm excited about this. I think um, Michelle goes through a couple of, or sorry, Melissa goes through a couple of the criticisms, right. That she found or, or things that um, she wished they, they could have done better. I think my, my notes, I am missing the criticisms. But. Yeah. I, I think like what a lot of people have, have said about this is a lot of it is in how the other characters regard Julia. Mm-hmm. So a lot of it is not from Julia's point of view. So the, a lot of the criticism I've had are like all the other characters are so busy explaining Julia and talking over Julia. So it's like, Julia is going to do that in her own time. Yeah. Julia doesn't do things like other kids that they're, um, Um, I've seen a lot of people lamenting that it's not really from Julia's point of view. She's not exactly the protagonist. It's like she's there to help Elmo understand, um, you know, his autistic friend. Her own story, yeah, in her own voice, so to speak. Exactly. And another writer was saying like how in an ebook about, these characters online like it's all just elmo explaining right he's, El- he's elmo explaining <laughs> yeah, <he's> elmo- <laughs> <laughs> um, but i thought that was really interesting and i have to say like going through like all this reading about julia i realize how much i am just at the tip of the informational yeah. iceberg about neurodiversity Same. and 
the, the different perspectives that people bring to this. And again, the spectrum. So to understand Julia and for kids to understand Julia doesn't mean you now understand what autism's how, how autism manifests for other kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and so again, I think that everyone is excited for her as a start. And it's like, this is great. It's great to have a character with this diagnosis. Now let's see more. And um, I also, this was a really good point, like see more of like the live action kids on Sesame too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, It's a great idea. Right. I agree that that um, is a definite opportunity is is sort of bringing on um, kids who, who, um, identify as autistic and sort of, um, but yeah, let them speak in their own voice. I think that would be really powerful and really, really great. So yeah, I, I think we've, we've sort of reiterated it's, it's a good first step. It's awesome that Sesame's kicked this door down and like now everybody's got to, to follow through and, and continue this, um, diversity and inclusion. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. So with that theme, stay tuned for our great interview with Lisa Radcliffe from Pumpkin Fox. All right. Nice. Today on the podcast, we're so happy to have Lisa Radcliffe, founder and CEO of Pumpkin Futs. Hi, Lisa. Hi. How are you, Amy? We're so happy to have you. Yes. Um, can you tell us, maybe even starting with this great name, what is Pumpkin Futs? <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's a funny thing about the name. Um, the story behind the name, the true story, is that my dad, when we were kids, used to call us Pumpkin Futs. And so for me, that's always been a name that has a really warm connotation. Mm-hmm. Um, the meaning of it breaks down. You know, Pumpkin is what you call a, a child or a loved one, you know, it's a term of endearment. And futz was always, you know, how to have fun, just fooling around. In our case, it was fooling around with my dad. It was just, it meant fun. And so when I was thinking about this company and what we wanted it to embody, it was really about fun. And so that was the the word that I could find that most represented that for me. The funny thing was when we started talking to people about it, um, adults have a lot of trouble with the word. And they do all sorts of things with it. So, <laughs> yeah. So we thought for a long time maybe this wasn't the best name for the company. Um, so we started talking to kids. And kids got it instantly. Like, they know. <laughs> yes. Kids got pumpkin butts. was like, they, they just got it. And so I thought, okay, well, it's for kids anyway. So it doesn't matter what adults do with it. So we, that's how we get the team. So. Yeah, I love it. I love the name when I uh, when I first heard it that that what you just said that term of endearment like that's what I picked up on. And then when I went to the website and actually read sort of how it breaks down, I thought that was just so great. But I love I I really love the name. It just it does have that sort of warmth to it. It's really cool. Oh, thank you, thank you. And Lisa, I'll tell you, you were my favorite find at this year's New York Toy Fair. <laughs> I was so Aww. excited. Um, part of what happened was um, I went to the Toy Fair people, the PR people, and they said, hey, we've got this blog. Can you point me to booths I might be interested in? And you were my first stop after that. But I thought what was sort of extraordinary is they only sent me to about six booths out of hundreds. So it also means that there's a lot of work to still be 
done in this space. Um, but can you talk a little bit about your line? It's just so fabulous. Oh, sure. And may I ask you a question? I'm sorry. Did, what did you tell them you were looking for? Because what, what we heard from people was that there were only six vendors that self-identified as specifically designing for children with a variety of, of needs. And, and so in their category in the lingo that, that the Toy Fair uses, they call those special needs. Mm-hmm. Um, but they to- what I'd heard was there are only six out of a thousand vendors that self-identified that way. Is that how you found us? I actually asked them for like diverse and inclusive toys, you know, leaving it very broad like that. And what that got me back were um, doll companies that were making dolls um, of, you know, different skin tones. There was a transgender doll at Toy Fair, which was really amazing. Mm -hmm. Um, But yours was the only one I was pointed to for kids of special needs. And so I was very excited to just even think about that as a category, even if you were a category of one or of six or (laughs) the ones that I might have missed. It it was so amazing to us to even realize that that was the kind of ratio it was. And so that was, that in and of itself was, was startling to me. It was really stunning. I thought, I really thought we'd come further than that as a, as an industry and as a sort of, country understanding what the needs of our children are and so I was really I was really surprised I'm very surprised to hear that it was a it was a group of one but yes so we we specifically design for children with a broad range of um, physical emotional sensory educational needs Um, the way we see it is that for the most part, people design for the masses. They design, it's the 80-20 rule. You know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna design for the 80% so that I hit the greatest target in the market. And what that does is it leaves the 20 additional need that doesn't fit that 80% category or some difference that doesn't meet that 80% uh, marketing group they they retrofit those products back to that 20%. And, and we decided that that was just backwards. We were going to design specifically for the 20% because we really strongly believe that if we design for the 20% of those needs, that 100% of the children can actually use it. So I don't mean to run on, but we, we use the, the idea of universal design. So the, the thought process is, if you design a bathroom for a person that is able-bodied, a person in a wheelchair, and if you design for a person in a wheelchair, everyone fits in it. And so that's that's sort of the mindset that we went at when we when we tried to approach the market. It's a very it's actually a lot of there's there's a great need and a very small number of people that are really focused on that particular part segment of the market. Lisa, so what was the what was the first product? Well, actually, what um, when did you guys launch, and then what was the first product that you launched with? So, so we actually just launched in September of uh, 2016. We launched at the Abilities Expo in Boston. Okay. And yeah, so we we our first product we tried to solve a particular problem. So, children who use wheelchairs don't have good access to backpacks. So where we started was how do you design a backpack for a a child in a wheelchair 
that is empowering and doesn't sit behind them on the on the handle uh, chair. The problem, especially in New York City where we are, it's it both disenfranchises the child, but it's dangerous. So if you've got your you know your wallet, your cell phone, your whatever sitting on the back of a wheelchair, you can't get to it, but everybody else can. And so that was actually our first design problem. And we talked to a lot of people. Have been we spent even though we launched in September, that was when we actually launched with product. We started designing, oh, probably a year before that. We 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 talked to everyone. We talked to lots of different wheelchair manufacturers. We looked at the difference between um, manual wheelchairs and electric wheelchairs, and we we really looked at what the available space was. And it is actually a hard problem to solve. It's probably why it hasn't been solved to date. Um, <laughs> we ended up with a couple of different bags. So we have, um, we started with bags. That's, we were looking for accessories. Mm-hmm. We believe that children with mobility needs like wheelchairs and, and sticks, um, people, those children have as much need for a way to carry their gear that is reflective of themselves. So it's about accessories. It started for us about accessories. It was about it was about letting your gear show who you are. You know, the the self expression of the child and the empowerment of the child. Um, and so we the first bag that we designed was what we call the pumpkin pie, and it actually goes. It was designed to go on the wheels of a wheelchair, and it will carry a cell phone and a wallet and a school ID and uh, an inhaler and a catheter and all the things that a child in the chair might need to get to without wanting to ask somebody else for help or without having it be loose in a way that somebody else could get to. So, And I have to say, these bags are so great looking. Like the fabrics are cool. The character design on them are really cool. Like just, I can see every kid wanting one of these. Oh, thank you. We, we made I'm oh, sorry, go ahead. No, the, it's it's just awesome. It's a, As you were describing the problem, I was like, yeah, I don't know where they would put this bag. But now that you're saying you put them on the wheels, that's it's smart. Well, the place that wasn't used previously, there there was one bag that we found that was designed for the wheels, but it's, it's a very different design. We actually went forward and we have patents for this in the U.S., the U.K., and the EU. Um, the patent is... So I've got a, I don't know if the timing is that it has just been registered in the UK and EU and process, but so we actually filed for patents on this. Um, it has, it's made of a reflective material. So the, while it has this great function and has these fun characters, it also is a safety feature. Children who are um, crossing crosswalks are much more at risk if they're not as visible to, to cars. And so children in wheelchairs, children using um, any kind of mobility device are at greater risk um, with cars and crosswalks. So we wanted to also make this a safety feature. So that was that was our first product. And so how like just to take a step back, it sounds like you you said you designed it. It took a year to to sort of design this first product. What what is your background like? Have you been in in sort of the kids or toy industry for, for a while, how did you sort of um, figure out who was going to manufacture this, et cetera? So, so the way the way that we actually came to this, I've been my background is in technology. Okay. Um, so, 
I, uh, I don't know, decades, several decades in technology. Um, I have a, I have a daughter though that has a variety of uh, medical, physical, educational, and sensory needs. And so we've lived with these problems for a very long time. And she's now 21. And eight years ago, I had a son who was born at 26 weeks. So he's a serious preemie. He's a micro preemie. And I found that nothing had changed in the world. All these problems were still there. And for example, we were told he needed to wear orthotics when he was a baby. And I said to the doctor, I said, you know, these orthotics, they look like some kind of uh, medieval torture device. I mean, why don't, why don't they look like superhero gear? You know, they would be mm-hmm. so cool. Then every kid would want them. And, and the doctor looked at me and said, that's a really good idea. Somebody should do that. <laughs> and, and I thought, well, that's just crazy. So, so there was a point where I just, I just got, it seemed so unfair that there were all these, all these really small changes that could be made that would made su- make such a difference in the world. And so that was how I, I went to my husband at one point and I said, listen, you know, I'd really like to try this. What do you think? And, and so he was, he was wonderful enough to say, yeah, you know, you should go for it. So that's, that's how this began. We started by, you know, coming at it from our own needs mm-hmm. than what we needed as a family. And then we started talking to other people and finding out what other people needed. Our experience is very much like the entire market that we're, that we're trying to speak to, that, that ours wasn't a unique experience. It was, it was a generalized one. Right. <laughs> There's so much ingenuity in your products too, because as you're saying, like you designed these pumpkin pies for the wheelchair, amazing, and you've like really make it fit for exactly that need, but designed it with just a couple extra features, like little loops that you added to it that like now all of a sudden it can go on every kid's scooter, you know, so this whole idea that like every kid wants it, but you've designed it for like those special needs is I think just so ingenious. Oh, thank you. We what we what we wanted. We wanted those. We wanted what our products were to be so cool that everybody wanted those products. You know what I mean? I mean, I kind of want one. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> <laughs> well, funny enough. So, in designing them, what we did was we um, we spent a bunch of time looking at how we believe in universal design. So, back to the bathroom example. We thought, you know, if it works for one of the more, you know, challenging situations, maybe we can make it work situations. And so actually retrofitted them from the wheelchair, which they were designed for, and walkers, onto bicycles and scooters. We made some modifications to the design. We actually re-engineered them so that they would work for scooters. And our upstairs neighbor uses hers on her stroller for her baby Um. because when she when she goes to farmer's market, she said she doesn't want to carry a purse. So she puts her wallet right there where it's right in front of her. She doesn't have to worry about the purse when she's also got the diaper bag and she's got the baby. And she's so we we love the idea that other people find uses for them that we haven't even thought of yet. That's part of that whole concept. Well, and I think we've seen with a lot of your products, including one you very generously sent to me to have my son try, is that there's a lot of open-endedness in how people use these products. Um, so the the vest, the hug, um, can you talk about how that product came to be? 
Yes, and if you wouldn't mind, I would love to ask you some questions. For um, sure. <laughs> yay. So I'll tell you how we designed it. It's still, it was still the, the bag or not, we were still trying to solve the problem of how you carry a bag if you don't have your hands free and you don't have the ability to open and close a bag or maybe snaps are a problem. And, and we look at all of those um, dexterity issues and the physical challenges of carrying and opening and closing bags. And, and so we started designing bags that you could wear. And as we started designing them, what we found, <laughs> we, we started working with what a child could wear and what the function of that might be. And I found, we looked at compression vests because we actually, um, my daughter had used one uh, they are typically hot and not so fun, and and we didn't like the the stigma that gets attached to them. There's all this these issues with with uh, compression vests, and I found this I found this product quite by accident. Um, that is, it's a it's an open cell foam that is actually breathable. So while we had been working with neoprene, I found this product that is not neoprene, that is manufactured in a way that is made for pediatric medical uses. So it meets all of the standards, whether it's the safe rubber standards from the EU, it meets all of the US standards for, you know, what has to be you know, lead free and, and uh, chemical free and chewable. And so it, it met all these, all these different standards. And unbelievably, it, it can be laminated with this really soft loop material which is like hook and loop, um, like Velcro. Mm -hmm. and, and so what that meant suddenly was, oh my gosh, we've got a compression material that's a great dress-up toy. And so we just went to town. I mean, we, we started designing all sorts of things to go on this, starting with the bags. So we have a whole line of bags. We've only released one, um, but we have a whole line of bags and you can wear them on the vest. The minute we started testing the vest on kids, we found that teachers and OTs and parents were really crazy about it. And so then we started thinking about, okay, what else can we design that keeps with this idea of you tell us how you want to use it, you make it show who you are, you play with it the way you want to play with it, and we think about what you need us to give you in order to make that functional. So. So that would bring me to asking you some questions, if you don't mind. Sure. <laughs> I know we said you won, and I always want to hear, because every individual has a different experience, and every child is different. So every child has a different need. I was wondering, so you and I had talked and or emailed, and I had sent you a different size, because when they came in, uh, this is our first run of them. And so we noticed that the small and mediums were very and the larges were much different. How did it fit for your son? I know I sent you a large. So his the large, he is six going on seven. He's tall for his age and he has the large. And I think what's great about it is it fits like loosely 
um, like right out of the package. It fit him a little loosely, like, but a gr- in a great dress up way. Um, but I think to use it like as compression, we can tighten it, which you can totally do because of your smart design that you can take the pieces apart and make them as tight as you want, which is just terrific. Um, my interest in it originally was because, you know, he's got a ton of energy and he has trouble sitting still for homework and things where he needs to focus. So my thought is, could we use this as like a thing where he could kind of like fidget with it, but sort of stay in his chair long enough to do homework? And we haven't, of course, since we've got it, he hasn't had any homework assignments, <laughs> which is good. You know, it's, it's nice to have no homework, but, but so I'll be interested in like trying that as a use case, but as a dress up thing it was a huge hit immediately um because he's into this show yokai watch i don't know if you either of you have seen it but um the toys that go along with the show is like a giant watch that you slip like these plastic metals in um you know it's in the pokemon vein of collectability and all this stuff so he's got a ton of these plastic metals so because the vest also came with these great velcro dots that you could attach to it um he attached all of his yokai um, metal collection to the vest, and it's like he's wearing his collection. Um, I love that. <laughs> it's really funny. I mean, and I think it fits into the sort of Pokemon play pattern where, like, you know, you have the Pokeballs that you wear, um, you know, and, and so it just sort of like I think it fits that model really well. I will say this about I'm your phone because we this is. Oh, Lisa, I think you're you're breaking up again. Yeah. I, and I lost what you said. You started to say, I'll tell you this about your Velcro, and then oh. I missed the whole rest. Oh. Okay. I'll tell you this about your Velcro. It is so wonderfully strong. So um, he actually had more metals than we got the Velcro dots. So he's like, do we have any other Velcro? I'm like, I think I do. So I like dug some out of my sewing kit and it wasn't nearly as strong. So any ones with the Velcro I already had um, just like weren't just didn't hold as well. So like, it's just really great that I think the durability of the products that you had sent, like just really great quality. Yeah, Lisa, oh, can, can you actually talk a little bit more about the manufacturing? You guys manufacture everything in Montana. I saw on the site that there was that um, you had called that out, but is is are all your products made there? And how did you guys find them? So I didn't I didn't mention this part, and and I if I break up, let me know because. Sure. Um, but what I so with Montana. We, we looked again, we have now this child that is 21 years old and we realized that she's going to need a job. And, and what we thought about was the fact that um, there, are a lot of, there are a lot of young adults, especially young adults on the spectrum that need um, supportive work environments. And there has been a, a real cutback in the support from the federal government for some of these programs. And so we very much wanted to think about how we could be part of the solution for the need for meaningful employment for children like our own. And so I went looking for manufacturing facilities across the country that manufactured in supportive and integrated work environments. And I found several and we interviewed all of them. We actually went, we did due diligence, we visited with them. So we went through the entire process to make sure that the work that they were doing, not just the work they were producing, but the 
the world and supporting their employees was what we wanted for our own children. And uh, it turns out that the woman that worked with us as a designer, a bag designer, is from Helena, Montana. And quite independently, I had sourced this company, this manufacturing group, um, Helena Industries, which is a nonprofit in Helena, Montana. And she was able to really give me a good background of them because it's a small town and she had grown up around them and knew them for decades. So it was a really nice fit. She went out there. She actually did all of the due diligence with them, went through everything. They were terribly supportive of this process and they produce everything that we can give to them. So they right now they do all of the bags, all of our heads and all of our universal adapters. Wow. It's amazing. it, it is. It's been a really good, it's been a really good um, partnership. We really love producing our stuff there. Uh, it has, so for us, this is part of our mission. Part of our mission is to produce our products in an adaptive work environment. That is also how we hire our employees as well. So when we you, bring employees- Lisa, you broke up that right there. Yeah. Can you start again from part of your mission? So part of our mission is to support meaningful employment for our children as well. So we see this as, we see ourselves as a social venture. We very much see part of our core mission, not just in providing the products for the child today, but providing a meaningful future for that child tomorrow. We think that's absolutely instrumental, absolutely fundamental to what we're doing. Um, and so for us, all of our hiring is also done with the same intent. So when we bring people on for the company, whether they're, you know, we outsource the manufacturing to this nonprofit or we're bringing someone on to help us with social media or whatever, we also employ the same um, requirements for supporting our community. It's such an extraordinary business story. It makes yeah. me really happy. It's everything we've been talking about in the toolkit we've been putting together about like hiring practices and how that can impact your product. Did you find that given um, who Helena Industries is, that they were also bringing ideas to your product or helping you with sourcing um, some of these like amazing materials that you work with? So they've been terrific. We actually, um, they were able to help us uh, make the products better. So in every case, we've worked directly with them. Said, okay, you know, how does this work? What would you do differently? And because they're the population we're looking to serve, they can not only tell us, well, you know, if you stitched it this way or if you turned the Velcro that way, it would make it easier for us to sew. They can also say to us, you know, I can't turn the bag like that to open it. But if you could put the zipper so it goes both directions, I could. I can't fit this over this part because I have an electric wheelchair. But if you can change the strap on the back. And so it's not just that they help us with the construction. They also help us with the usability. It's been really an amazing partnership. That's amazing. You have focus testing built right in. (laughs) Yeah, it's really great for them, like you said, for them to be a partner and not sort of like just another vendor or a manufacturer sort of like, you know, just doing, doing the job and, and moving on to the next one. They're really helping you guys sort of think through how to design it and, and they care about, about what you're doing. That's awesome. It is. I'll tell you one of the things about this, and I would, I would mention this in case anybody out there is listening to this that can help us. It's been very hard to source 
these sorts of situations, we have more production than Helena can do. And it's very hard for us to find um, organizations that are doing this work. And it's not that they don't exist, it's that there isn't a good clearinghouse. So we went to the federal ARC program and to Source America federally, which both have as part of their mission statements to support um, adaptive and inclusive work environments. And while they can give me a list of all the New York manufacturers, there are 72 of them and they can't tell me what any of them do. And so for me, that's, that's a real, um, it makes it harder to work with this community. And so Right. Mm-hmm. So if there, one of the things, one of the things I've been working with um, from with some of the ASD programs in some of the local universities from here and in Philadelphia is how do we actually put together a process that links jobs with the community that needs them? Oh, I hope our listeners are hearing yeah. this. There's like, it sounds like there's some really good ideas that could form here to connect these groups and For sure. For sure. So, so you guys sell obviously direct to to consumer through your website. Are you also in in some stores if people wanted to to find you? So at this moment, we're not. We are, as I mentioned, we are brand new. Yeah. In fact, our our products, the ones that so Amy with the vests, um, we just started shipping those last week in total. So and the the pouches that go on the vest are not even here yet, um, nor are the capes that go with the vest. So some of the dress up items that we have, we also have a line of fidgets that we're working on currently that don't even come out until June. So, so as our products become available, we are making them available through the website. We're also partnering with schools and hospitals right now to make them available to a broader community we haven't really done very much with a wholesale business process. Right, right. No, it, it, I mean, the schools and the hospitals things make uh, a ton of sense. But like you said, you guys are just babies. You're not even a year old yet. So, um, <laughs> oh, we're, we're just six months old. Which, right. Yes. So, and Amy, if there's anything that as you and your son play with the vest or anything like that, that he says or that he would like or that he would change or that you think of, we absolutely thrive on the feedback from our um, individual users. I'll give you an example. At the toy fair, there was a mother who came up to me and said, well, she was by a um, toy company. She said, um, hang on just a second, Lisa. Can her you... son. Can you start over? You said the, I got it up to a mother came up to you and then you cut out for a second. So a mother came up to me who was a buyer for a a toy store. And um, she was particularly interested in our fidgets, which are still, we're still just producing them. And I was talking to her and it turns out that what her son likes in fidgets are scratchy fidgets. He doesn't Mm. like, um, soft. He doesn't like uh, you know, some of the other textures. We have a marble maze. There are things that we've been doing with fidgets, but what she wanted was scratchy. And so we actually went back and uh, one of the fidgets that we will be releasing first in the first batch is actually a scratchy one. And we really love it. So it's feedback like that that helps us determine 
what the market needs, and then design. We're all about designing for that child. We really want, we want to be a brand that's listening to the children in our market, not anybody else. So that's, that's really important to us. And so I love your son's Yokai Metal story. That is, I've never <laughs> heard of that. Nobody's heard that before. I love it. There's so much you can attach to that. I, I can see us doing some experiments of like how much weight can it hold. <laughs> <laughs> also, can I can I tell you something great that we did? I don't know if you saw, but we had a snow day in New York, um, and we don't have them all the time. So we we were home with nothing to do for the day, and what we did was we took um, we have tons of pill bottles, the things you get when you have um, prescription pills. Oh yeah, and I never know what. To I never know what to do with them. So we keep thinking there's got to be something we can do with them. So what we did was I took a glue gun and we went into the cupboards and we took out a bunch of different stuff that would make noise and we picked different things. So I had um, bird seed and I had rice and we had beans and we had um, like uh, screws from the, the cupboard screws. And so we had all these different things and we took turns putting them in the in the pill bottles and deciding which sounds we liked best. And then we took the glue gun and we actually glued strips of uh, everything from felt to sparkly stuff to, you know, just anything to these things. And we, so we made shakers out of them. And then we put those Velcro dots on them and we stuck them to the vests and we danced. Oh, and wow. And so we had shakers. Yeah, so you can- This is my kind of snow day. Yeah, this <laughs> yeah. is incredible. But so that's the sort of thing with this vest is mm -hmm. any, my son wears his toothbrush. So he likes to carry his toothbrush around. So he wears his toothbrush on his vest. <laughs> you do what you they're great because you wear whatever makes you happy at that moment. And that's what I love about them. Yeah. And you know, for adults, we can put like our cell phone and our keys and the things that we're always looking <laughs> Right, exactly. The stuff you're always forgetting when you're walking out the door. <laughs> yeah, that's- we We've been asked for a vest for adults, and and so far we have not made them. Although the large size does fit small adults. <clears throat> so. Oh, that's great! It's it makes a lot of sense. Um, I can't wait to as you as you guys continue to evolve, you'll be able to sort of see these testimonials on the website and 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 how all your customers are sort of using them. Um, that's it's, it's really awesome. Yeah, we'll be excited to to follow your products and where they go. Um, and I hope you'll come back and tell us more about them. Oh, thank you very much. I so appreciate, I appreciate your interest. I appreciate your feedback. And like I said, we'd love to know anything that you would care to share as he plays with it more or as he uses it. If it does help, what does work, what doesn't work. We just really appreciate that feedback and anything that you need that you are not finding, we'd also love to hear that as well. And from your listeners, because for us, that's really what we're about, is meeting those needs that are missing in the marketplace right now. For sure. Yeah, absolutely. And when we get this up online, I'll try to put up a picture of him in it as well. Oh, oh, thank you. That would be so good. I love this Yokai metal thing. We yeah. are, we definitely, we talked about it today. We have a whole new idea about, about how we might do um, dress up stuff for the vest. And, and some fidgets. So so look for that coming your way. Yeah, I'm telling nice. you, collectibles. Think about it. <laughs> <laughs>
Thanks so much. Thanks, Lisa. Thank, thank you very much. This episode of Diversity Sauce is sponsored by the Joan Gans Cooney Center. Music is by Kamala Shankaram. Learn more about KidMap at joinkidmap.org. And be sure to sign up for our weekly newsletter. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter at JoinKidMap. Thanks for listening. 